From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and 1036 leading retail stores from coast to coast present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Tonight's adventure, The Disappearance of Lady Frances Carfax. Well, well, here it is, Easter, and we find Dr. Watson all decked out in his new Easter suit. Oh, thanks to Clipper Croft, of course. And wearing a flower in his buttonhole. I, I, I hear you were the hit of the Easter parade, Dr. Watson. <laughs> I don't imagine you fared too badly yourself. Yes, Clipper Croft does bring a chap a certain amount of favorable attention, eh, Mr. Harris? Especially if he has the bearing of an old military man as you have, Doctor. Now, now, Mr. Harris, you're pulling my leg. All this flattery is making me self-conscious. You'd better pay our respects to our sponsor and then let me get on with a story about a lady I chased all over Europe. Uh-huh. And how Holmes stepped in at the last moment and rescued her from a horrible death. Oh. oh all right, here we go, Doctor. Whether it was Fifth Avenue or Main Street, California or Vermont, millions of men wore clipper-craft clothes in the Easter parade today and paid remarkably modest prices for such unusually fine quality. For the millions who insist upon clipper-craft do so with very good reason. They are amazed at the values brought to them today by clipper-craft. These values are the result of the sensational clipper-craft plan, concentrating the buying power of 1036 of the nation's finest stores from coast to coast, resulting in year-round economies in manufacturing and distribution costs and putting money in your pocket. Now, you not only pay less for Clippercraft, you buy them at a local independent store, a store you can trust. Think of it, expensive-looking new spring Clippercraft suits, beautifully tailored, at only $40 and $45. Top coats and fine coverts and worsted gabardine at only $40 and $45 and sport jackets at only $26.50. Compare them with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now, Dr. Watson, I think we're ready for tonight's story. Yes, it was one evening in the fall of... Let me see. Yes, the fall of 1892. An evening clear with a little nip in the air. Holmes and I were sitting in front of the fireplace in our Baker Street lodgings. Mrs. Hudson had just cleared away all evidence of our evening meal. Holmes was playing random chords on his violin, and I was stretched out in my cane-backed chair in a sort of digestive coma, staring fixedly at my boots. Watson, why Turkish? Huh? What's that? I was propounding the question, why Turkish? Well, you mean my boots? Well, they're not. They're English. I got them at Latimer's in Oxford Street. I always get them at uh, Holmes. You know that. Not the boots, Watson. The bath. Why the relaxing and expensive Turkish variety rather than the invigorating homemade article? Because for the last few days I've been feeling a bit rheumatic. The old bullet wound's been acting up a bit. Thought my system could stand a bit of house cleaning. But how the deuce did you know? <laughs> Elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary. Your boots. What's the matter with my boots? The deduction's perfectly obvious. I, I might say childish. You do up your boots in a certain way. They are now done up in an elaborate double bow, which is not your method. Therefore, you've had them off. Who tied them up again? Obviously, either your bootmaker or the boy at the bath. The shoes are quite new, so it wasn't the bootmaker. What remains? The bath. Simple, isn't it? Huh. Why all this fuss over my Turkish bath? I uh, gather you're not feeling quite fit. Why not take a little trip? 
How would Lausanne suit you? First-class tickets and all expenses paid on a princely scale. What are you talking about? A trip to Lausanne with a run-up to Baden-Baden and ending up at Montpellier. Yes, but Holmes, the season at Lausanne and Baden-Baden is closed. Unfortunately, Watson, there is no closed season on disappearing females. Huh? What's that? The drifting and friendless woman of means is one of the most dangerous classes in the world. She is herself quite harmless, but she is the inevitable inciter of crime in others. She's helpless. She's migratory. She has sufficient means to take her from country to country, from hotel to hotel. When she's gobbled up, she's hardly missed. She's a, a stray chicken in a world of foxes. Now you can spare me the generalizations, Holmes. I see what you mean. Who is the missing woman? Lady Frances Carfax. What, you, you mean the only child of the late Earl of Rufton? But look here, Holmes, she's tremendously wealthy. Not so tremendously, Watson. The estates went to the male line. Her cousin's now the Earl. However, she is comfortably fixed and has some very remarkable old jewellery, curiously cut diamonds, to which she was very attached. Too attached, Watson, for she always carried them with her. A tempting morsel for any criminal. Quite. The lady herself is still a beautiful woman in her early 40s. Yes, but what's happened to her? That's our problem. Is she dead? Or is she alive? It's been her invariable habit to write every second week to her old governess, and this Dobney, who's retired and lives in Camberwell. Yeah. It's this Miss Dobney who's consulted me. Nearly five weeks have passed without a word. The last letter was from the Hotel National in Lausanne. Lady Frances left there hurriedly and gave no address. She's reported as having been seen in Baden-Baden. But from there, she seems to have disappeared into thin air. Her family are upset. No money is to be spared. Oh, yes, but Holmes, there must be other sources of information. Surely she corresponded with other people besides this Miss Dobney. Only one we could discover. Who was that? Even single ladies must live, Watson. A passbook is almost as good as a diary. There is always the bank. We've just been glancing over her account. And? The last check but one paid her bill at Lausanne. But it was a large one and probably left her with considerable cash in hand. And uh, the last check, to whom was it made out and uh, where was it cashed? To Marie Devine, and it was cashed at the Crédit Lyonnais at Montpellier less than three weeks ago. The sum was 50 pounds. Who is Marie Devine? Marie Devine was the maid of Lady Frances Carfax for the past seven years. Montpellier is her home. Well, then she was dismissed, or perhaps she left. But why 50 pounds? That's a large sum of money. Those are a few of the questions I hope your researches will clear up. My researches? Look here, Holmes, aren't you coming? Certainly not, Watson. My health is in no need of change. Scotland Yard feels lonely without me, and besides, my absence would cause an unhealthy excitement among the uh, criminal classes. <laughs> Pardon me, gendarme. Uh, I say, can you direct me to the home of Mademoiselle Marie Devine? Oh, but certainly, monsieur. The little house on the corner, the one with the red geraniums in the window. Oh, thank you very much. Not at all. Hmm. What a wild goose chase this has been. Lausanne, Baden-Baden, and now this place. I probably won't learn any more here than I did in the other... Monsieur Desire. Oh, uh, pardon me. Does uh, Mademoiselle Marie Devine live here? But certainly, monsieur. I am she. Will you have the goodness to enter? Oh, thank you. Uh, please, will you come in here? Be so good as to sit down. Thank you. Bon. 
Now, what is it I can do for you? You, uh, you don't by any chance know the pleasant whereabouts of your former mistress? You mean Lady Francis? Hmm? But no. Is anything the matter? Well, uh, you see, she... Well, she seems to have disappeared, and naturally we... Ah, I knew it. He has got her, the black one. Oh, I knew it would happen. I should have stayed with her. Huh? What's this? What black one? He is bad, the wicked. One day on the promenade at Lausanne, monsieur, I see him seize her by the wrist. He followed her around for days. We see him everywhere we go. It was for fear of him she left Lausanne. She ran away, that I know. He was so big, so fierce, so black. A veritable, uh, uh, sauvage, monsieur. Black savage? You, you mean an aborigine, a wild man? Oh, no, monsieur, not like that. He was English. But I think he was wild all the same. But you said he was black. Yes, black. Uh, uh, from the sun, uh, but black. Oh, you mean tanned. Oui, tanned. Oh, yes. But his eyes, they are blue. Do you know his name? Oh, no. Madame, she will never speak of him. But I think she knows him from before. Oh, she's afraid. She trembles all over like a leaf every time she sees him. So you left Lausanne to escape him? Yes, we go suddenly, so we cannot follow. We go to Baden-Baden. Oh, yes, I followed the trail that far. You stayed at the Englisher Hof for a fortnight. Did you see anyone there that Lady Frances knew? At first, no. But in a few days, Madame made the acquaintance of a Dr. Schlesinger and his wife. He's a missionary from South America. Schlesinger? That must have been the man who Holmes wired me about. Wanted to know if there was anything wrong with his left ear. You mean he did not hear well? No, I do not think that is so. No, oh, no, I expect not. That, uh, that telegram was probably a bit of Holmes spoofing. Well, uh, go on about this missionary chap. Poor man is very sick. He's recovering from a tropical fever. Such a good man, so brave, so patient. My lady, she helps Mrs. Schlesinger to take care of him. And all the time they talk of religion. Hmm, sounds placid enough. But then, one morning, Lady Frances, she come back from the baths. She has seen him again, the black Englishman. <gasps> she is in a terror. She tells me she is leaving at once for England with the Schlesingers. They have promised to protect her. And so, next day, she is gone. And that is the last I see of her. Why didn't she take you along with her? <laughs> me, monsieur? Well, you see, I'm what you call a fiancé. I'm to be married next week. Oh, I see. So, madame is so good, she let me go. And she gave me a nice check for my wedding present. And now, she is gone. I never forgive myself. I did not take her safe to England. These poor Schlesingers, they do not know this black man. They do not realize the danger. Oh, my dear mademoiselle, it's not your fault. You mustn't be alarmed. Oh, but monsieur, I'm in an agony of fear until she is found. Now, now, I'm sure my friend Sherlock Holmes will find her if, she, if it's humanly possible. Well, uh, good day, mademoiselle Dupine. I, I must go. It's getting late, and thank you for your information. Not at all, monsieur. It has been a pleasure. I only hope... Oh, monsieur, monsieur. Yes, what? Look, they are coming down the street... It is he, the sauvage, the black man I told you about. He's coming here. Oh, monsieur, I am afraid. Do not let him see me. But you... Oh, confound the girl. She shut the door in my face. Oh, she'd only take me inside with her. Well, I suppose I shall have to brazen it out. Can you tell me if Miss Marie Devine lives here? Uh, uh, uh Marie Devine? <laughs> That's a nice name, eh? Uh, who is she? Sounds a bit like a music hall singer, doesn't it? <laughs> Jolly name, Marie Devine. <laughs> I believe I saw you talking to the lady in question just two minutes ago. Who, me? Talking to Marie Devine? Oh, no, nonsense, my good fellow. That, that, uh, that, uh, that was a cousin of mine, a dear little thing. What's her name? 
Oh, my, my, my cousin, oh, uh, uh, her name's uh, Emma or, or Matty or something like that. What's your name? That's none of your business. You're an Englishman, I take it. What if I am? Look here, what's the good of beating about the bush? What have you done with her? What have I done with whom? Lady Frances Carfax, of course. Where is she, you swine? Why, you... What a... You little gutter snipe, I'll break every bone in your body. Oh, no, you won't. Not if you don't want your head bashed in. I'll you... show you. Oh, no, you don't. Take that. Ask me a question like that, will you? You good for nothing kidnapper. I'll you show you. I'll choke you till your teeth rattle. Gentlemen. Uh, gentlemen, please. Holmes. Good heavens, where did you drop from? And now, sir, if you'll kindly release my friend. Watson, let go of the gentleman's tie. But, Holmes, look here. I, I've got him. This is the chap who abducted Lady Francis Carfax. There he goes again. Why, Why, stop it. Gentlemen, as you may perceive, I am armed with a rather businesslike little cudgel. The first one to continue this brawl will have it cracked across his cranium. But, Holmes, don't you Watson, realize... Watson, Watson, come along back to the hotel. It uh, might be a good idea to find a piece of raw beef for that right eye before it swells completely shut. Well, Watson... How does it feel to get back to Baker Street after your little, uh, vacation? Well, I must say, Holmes, I don't see why you had to go butting in and drag me back to London just as I was just about to clear up the whole case. As you were about to have your head bashed in, you mean? But, Holmes, oh, I... Oh, steady, Watson, steady, or you'll lose the compress over your eye. A singularly consistent investigation you've made, that I must say, Watson. Ah, uh-huh. so, you admit I've done rather well, eh? Well, I cannot at the moment recall any possible blunder which you've omitted. Now, really, Holmes, you You've do... managed to give the alarm everywhere and yet have discovered nothing. Perhaps you think you could have done better. I have done better, my dear Watson. I have done better. What do you mean? From the hotel keeper in Baden-Baden, I discovered the interesting fact that our missionary friend's left ear was jagged or torn. Oh, rubbish. What can the shape of a man's ear have to do with a lady's disappearance? My dear Watson, that mutilated ear is the crux of the whole case. Well, what does it prove? It proves that we're dealing with an especially astute and dangerous criminal. The Reverend Dr. Schlesinger from South America is none other than a character known internationally as Holy Peters. His particular specialty is preying upon lonely ladies by appealing to their religious feeling. And uh, his uh, so-called wife is a worthy helpmate. They're an infernal couple who'd stick at nothing. I see. But then Lady Frances Carfax, she may be dead by now. Dead or worse, she may never have reached London. On the other hand, they may have her confined in some house in this very city. Why not abroad? No, I think not. The continental system of registration is too strict. All my instincts tell me she's in London. But how can we locate her? Patience, my dear Watson, patience. We must wait until the police spot Peters, or until he tries to market some of the jewels. Scotland Yard is working on that uh, phase of the problem. Scotland Yard may not be any too lively, Watson, but they are thorough. Yes, but in the meantime, Schlesinger may have killed the poor lady. That's the Yard's responsibility, not mine. But the black-haired Englishman. You let him slide through your fingers. Surely he must have had something to do with the disappearance. Right again, Watson. Then why let him escape? Escape, Watson? Escape? The fellow's been hounding me to death. Come in. Come in, I say. Ah, there, Lestrade. Scotland Yard unearthed something, eh? You look as excited as a terrier that smells a rat. We're on his tail, all right, Mr. Holmes. I take it you mean Holy Peters. Who else? Here, Mr. Holmes, take a look at this. Aha. An earring, old Spanish, gold with diamonds and emeralds. Yes, that belongs to Lady Frances. Where did you find it? Pawn, yesterday afternoon in a shop in Westminster Road by a stout man with a piece out of his left ear. Excellent, Lestrade, excellent. Yes, but uh, how does that help? 
I don't imagine he left his address. No, but he will return to pawn the other jewels, marked by word. Come along, Watson. Suppose we keep an eye on that shop. That's it, Mr. Holmes. The third shop past the corner. The one with all the junk in the window. Yes, Lestrade. It's just about closing time, so I don't imagine we shall catch the old boy today. I must say I'm just as glad. Looks like a storm coming up. I shouldn't really standing out here in the rain. Wait a minute. Who's that? Yes, by Jove, I think it is. Is what? Surely that tall, raw-boned female just coming out of the shop isn't Peters. No, it's not Peters, but if I'm not mistaken, it's his wife. Quick, we must follow her. Seems to be in a hurry, don't she? Looks to me as though she might be up to something. Wait a bit. She stopped in front of another shop. She's going in. Lestrade, Watson, look. It's an undertaker's shop. Undertaker's? I don't like the looks of that, sir. Neither do I. Look here. I've got to know what she's doing in there. I can't go in. She may know me by sight. Watson, you go in and ask about a coffin for your great-aunt Matilda. But I haven't got a great-aunt Matilda, and furthermore, she doesn't need a coffin. Don't I... argue. Get into that shop and leave the door ajar so we can hear. Lestrade and I will be hiding in the next doorway. Oh, very well, but I must say... I don't don't burble. My... You're wasting precious time. Remember, Lady Frances Carfax may be in danger. hasn't come yet. I told you it was an emergency. I'm terribly sorry, Mum, but you see, it took longer, being a bit out of the ordinary, and what with the size and Yes, all, but and... you promised to have it there today. And that it will be, Mum. It's on its way now. Shouldn't be surprised if it was there by the time you got back. Very well. Good day. Good day to you, Mum, and I hope it proves satisfactory. And now, what can I do for you, sir? Well, you see, uh, I, uh, I have an Aunt Matilda, or rather... I suppose I should say I had an Aunt Matilda, and she... Uh, well, you see, she... Watson, well, come along. Yeah. Your Aunt Matilda will have to wait. Mrs. Peters is more important at present. There she goes, Holmes, round that corner. Hurry, Watson. I'm hurrying. Feel that wind. I don't like this coffin incident. It looks a bit too sinister to me. But look here, Mr. Holmes. If they've murdered the poor lady, they'd be more apt to bury her in a hole in the backyard, nice and quiet. Yes, this coffin points to an orthodox burial with all the red tape of a medical certificate and official sanction. I don't like it, Watson. I don't like it at all. There she goes, into that house, third on the left. Grim-looking place, all the blinds down. It looks forbidding. I'd swear it hadn't been lived in recently. <laughs> Holmes, did you hear that? You've got to get into that house. Oh, you haven't got a search warrant. You can't enter a house without... Warrant be blasted. Watson, you and I are going to enter the house. Lestrade, you go back to Scotland Yard and have a warrant sent around with a pair of burly policemen to back it up. And hurry, there's no time to waste. When you buy your first Clippercraft, perhaps you'll wonder how truly fine clothes can be made today at such modest prices. Trying on a new spring Clippercraft suit, however, is a convincing experience. You know that rich-looking worsted will give you long service. You feel the comfort only skilled designing makes possible. You're obviously dressed in the best of taste. Yes, it's difficult to believe that such handsome, expensive-looking Clippercraft suits are only $40 and $45. Top coats in fine coverts and worsted gabardine, only $40 and $45, and sport jackets, only $26.50. Clippercraft values are made possible only by the great Clippercraft plant, which concentrates the buying power of 1,036 fine stores across the nation. Yes, selling expensive clothes 
at inexpensive low prices, at the nation's finest stores, is the great big idea behind the Clippercraft plan. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, top coats, and sport jackets. In Manhattan, John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. And now back to Dr. Watson and Mr. Holmes, who are about to force their way into a strange house in which a woman has been screaming. But look here, Holmes. You're not going to ring the front doorbell. Why not? Well, always try the easiest method first, Watson. Yes, someone's coming. Well, what do you want? I want to speak to Dr. Schlesinger. There's no such person here. Take your foot out of the doorway. Not until I've seen the man who lives here, whatever he may call himself. Very well, then. Come in. You're letting in the rain standing here. And let me tell you this. My husband is not afraid of any man alive. I'll call him. Hmm. Place hasn't been lived in for some time. Notice the dust on the chandelier, Watson. Yes, and they intend leaving again shortly. Muslin covers haven't been removed from the furniture. Dreary old hole. Say, listen to the wind in the chimney. It's cold and clammy. Smells like a crypt. Shh, shh. Someone's coming. Ah, gentlemen. Well, there must be some mistake. I fancy you've been misdirected. Perhaps if you try further down the street... That'll do. We've no time to waste. You are Henry Peters, the late Reverend Dr. Schlesinger of Baden-Baden and South America. And you are Mr. Sherlock Holmes, if I'm not mistaken. Quite. Your name does not frighten me, Mr. Holmes. When a man's conscience is clear, you can't rattle him. What have you done with Lady Frances Carfax? Well, I should be very glad if you could inform me of her whereabouts. She gave us the slip, owing me a hundred pounds. I've nothing to show for it but a couple of cheap ornaments she left in my possession. I have reason to believe she's in this house, and I mean to find her. Where is your warrant? This efficient little revolver will serve until a better one comes. Annie! Annie, get a policeman! I'll have you thrown out! Quick, Watson, our time's limited. Peters, where's the coffin that was sent to this house? It's in use. There's a body in it. I must see that body. No, you don't. Stand aside. I warn you, you'll be hurt. Now then, Watson, first the dining room. Open that door. Holmes, there's the coffin on the table. I don't like the looks of this. Turn up the gas. I can't see. It's better. Why, it's... It's a little dried-up old woman. Yes. It's not Lady Carfax. Not possibly. This poor old thing is... Oh, she's over 80. She's almost lost in that coffin. You blundered badly for once, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. If you really must know, that is an old nurse of my wife's. We located her in Brixton Workhouse Infirmary a few days ago. We brought her here. Unfortunately, the doctor we called in couldn't save her. Day before yesterday, she died. Certificate says senile decay. <laughs> Pick a hole in that, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. You hear that, Holmes? 
It's a woman in pain. Nonsense. Just the wind of the chimney. It behaves that way on bad nights. Mr. Peters, I'm going through your house. Oh, no, you're not. Put up your hands, both of you. Annie, I thought I told you to go for the police. I think this shotgun will be as good an argument as any policeman. Come along. Out you go and be quick about it. Look here, you can't bully-rag us. Easy, you know? Watson, easy. I'm afraid we shall have to do as the lady suggests. She's so persuasive. <laughs> I say, Holmes, I'm drenched to the skin. How long do we have to stand here in this beastly rain? Until Lestrade comes back with a search warrant, I'm not going to take my eyes off that house. Confounded, why does Scotland Yard always have to be so slow? I say, look, Holmes. What's that carriage driving up in front of the house? Great thunder, it's a hearse. Why a hearse this time of night? Why the hurry? There's something wrong about this, Watson. Something I can't quite figure out. They're, they're bringing out the coffin. Seems to be heavier than you'd expect. The coffin. Of course. Heavier and deeper. A special job. What a fool I've been. Quick, Watson. We must stop that coffin. It's life or death, and a hundred chances to one is death. Yes, but how? I don't understand. What put that the... coffin down. Put it down, I say. You again. I thought I told you to keep out of this. Order those men to put that coffin down, Peters, or I'll blow your brains out. Very well, but I'll have you arrested for this. Good. Here comes Inspector Lestrade of Scotland Yard. You could speak to him about that. Hello. What's up? Cash them, Lestrade. That man and woman, they're trying to make a get away. Oh, no, you don't. Here, Watson, never mind that. Help me pry the top off this coffin. But, Holmes, you're not going to do it out here in the rain. Oh, God, you get at it. All right. This side seems loose. Hurry. All right. That's it. Now again. There we are. That does it. Phew. What a beastly smell of chloroform. Well, the coffin is saturated. Look here, Holmes. There's, there's nothing in here but the old woman. Take her out quickly. Don't you see she's resting nearer the top than she was before? Take her out. There's a false bottom. That's it. It should lift out. By Jove, it does lift out. Look, there's another compartment underneath. And in it is Lady Frances Carfax. Watson, tell me quickly. Are we too late? Is she... Is she gone? No. No, there's still a faint pulse. We'll be able to, we'll be able to bring her down in time. Phew, but it was a close call. Yes, thank heaven we were in time to prevent a double funeral. Yes, but look here, Dr. Watson, you haven't explained the mystery of the dark gentleman, the one who gave you the black eye. <laughs> well, he turned out to be the sheep in wolf's clothing, a boyhood sweetheart of Lady Frances Carfax. I believe they had had a lover's quarrel many years before, and the Honorable Philip Green, that was his name, he'd biffed off to South America, bought a coffee plantation, and proceeded to become disgracefully wealthy. After many years, he discovered that the lady had never married, possibly because she was still in love with him. So back he came to try his luck the second time. His wooing was a trifle tempestuous, I fancy. But the lady finally relented, so the story has a happy ending. And now, Dr. Watson, what about next week's story? Next week, I think I'll tell you about a famous family who had a monster locked up in their tower room. 
and how that monster later threatened the true heir to the succession, and by what quick-witted means Holmes showed up a gigantic swindle. The makers of Clipper Craft clothes and 1036 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character of Sherlock Holmes created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley, and the dramatizations are by Edith Miser. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Ockren with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next Sunday to Sherlock Holmes in The Return of the Monster. This is Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Holmes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.